What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. We got a special edition today. It's not going to be the Bears and Ball live stream. We have the Why Your Team Sucks podcast slash live stream slash show slash whatever it is with the one and only Brian Snow. Be Snow, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. You know, it's it's my one time to shine every year, Doster. The people were calling for it. The people were asking for the Why Your Team Sucks podcast, and uh, we had to give it to them. We had to give it to them. Deshaun, how you doing, man? How was the uh, – Conference tournament go well? You guys still in? You lose? What happened? Oh uh, no, we have not lost. Uh, we won our first game, so we get to go to uh, what you would call the big gym. So I'm excited. Get to play against uh, one of the uh, top 20 teams in the D2 in the country. So I'm should be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Is that the title game? No, no, no. We're like in the quarters. In the quarters? How yeah. big is your conference? You won a game and you're in the quarters. How big is like, your league? We had a play in. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. That makes That's sense. All right. For the people that don't know the way that this uh, this podcast, this episode works, is that we break down the top 12 teams in the country, and we tell you why they suck. How are they, they going to lose? Where's their weakness? Uh, you know, why, why aren't they going to go out and win national title, make a Final Four, whatever? Um, it's a fun, entertaining thing. Uh, people kind of react to it, which is actually my favorite part is when people get really mad about the things that we say, like, why are you hating on our team so much? That's the point of the episode. So <laughs> we're going to start things off with Gonzaga. For my money, the best team in the country. Um, Snow, since you're the guest, I'm going to allow you to lead it off. Why does Gonzaga suck? They have absolutely no rim protection, like none. Drew Timmy, great player, doesn't protect the rim. You know, uh, none of their other forwards really protect the rim. And I really think, you know, you get good guards who can really attack downhill against them. As good as Gonzaga is, that's their kryptonite right now, is big downhill athletic guards like, say, Baylor has with no rim protection on the back end for Gonzaga. I think that's something that could give them some serious problems. Now, that doesn't mean they stink. But when you have no rim protector back there and another team can overwhelm their guards a little bit athletically – I think that could be an interesting matchup in, in March. Who, whoever that team is, Baylor initially came to mind. Yeah, Baylor is the, the one matchup for them that is really worrying to me because they have as many guards as, as uh, Gonzaga does. And um, the thing about – other than Jalen Suggs, who's just a freak, uh, Andrew Nemhard and Joel Iyayi are not exactly the most uh, fleet of foot. Um, there's a reason why Andrew Nemhard did not work in Mike White's system. Uh, so I think that that is definitely something that was concerning. I actually had written on my list. It kind of goes along the same lines as what you were saying was front court depth. Uh, what happens if Drew Timmy gets into foul trouble? Uh, the one thing that kind of frustrated me about watching them in league plays, like you have all of these teams that you're just rolling over. Why aren't you getting Umar Balo more minutes than he got? You know, that was the one frustrating thing for me. Day, where are you at? Why does Gonzaga suck? I actually was going. <laughs> I was actually going to go with that. 
uh, I was literally going to bring up the point where, you know, most teams that they played early on that had pretty decent bigs gave Drew Timmy issues as far as scoring. I look back at our West Virginia game. Granted, Jalen Suggs is out of the game, so it kind of got a little bit closer than it was supposed to be. But Oscar Shibway and Derek Culver really gave their the inside of their uh, defense a little bit of trouble. So, I mean, one of those things is can they find somebody that can come in and help them defensively? I don't think so. I mean, they are what they are right now, and they usually go out to outscore teams. So I expect them to continue to do that. But if we can find a team in the country that has decent enough guards to push Gonzaga and also inside scoring, I, I, I'm still looking. I don't know who this <laughs> team is, so, especially this season. It's kind of tough. So The other uh, thing I'll say is defensively, Rob, you look at their numbers. Now, overall, it's really good. But they don't like really like dominate in any one area. It's like they're pretty good at everything. So I wonder, like, you know, does that against Iowa? It's a perfect matchup for Gonzaga, but against a team with more athleticism, bigger, more physical, do some of those numbers that are kind of middling overall get exposed in a tournament setting where it's one and done? That'd be my other area with them defensively. Is just they just don't you know they don't force a ton of turnovers. They don't. As I said, they don't block shots. They're good. They're a really good defensive rebounding team. But how much of that is the teams that they've played against in terms of their offensive rebounding? Like I, I don't, Deshaun, you might remember what they did against West Virginia in terms of keeping West Virginia off the offensive glass. I didn't look specifically, but it just they don't have that like standout defensive trait where that you could really point to. Yeah. So what were what are the teams that we already mentioned Baylor? Is there anyone else that you look at and you say, okay, that's a team that that I think Gonzaga could actually struggle with? Because for me, Illinois kind of pops off the page as one Illinois. of those teams. You match them with the the athletic guards, guys that can get to the rim. Kofi's a monster. So that's the team that kind of I circled that was like, okay, they could give Gonzaga a little bit of trouble. But then again, I don't know Illinois. I mean, off rip, you say Illinois, but then I think like if Gonzaga gets them in the half court, then what? <laughs> like, yeah. like then, then what happens? So I don't know. Like, if they could just run out because I got in the gym, possibly, yeah. So I don't know. I think Alabama could give them a lot of trouble. Yeah, I could see that. The way they push the pace and just you know, you get those guys going downhill with the athleticism that Alabama has. I think they're a team that, if they're having a good day, is team kind of set up to beat Gonzaga. Yeah, I don't want to kill Rob's Alabama too early. Rob still loves Alabama. I'm going to save him for later. Rob asks. I do, I do. I do. I, I like Alabama. We'll, we'll get into them in a minute because they have some, uh, some, some definite flaws. All right, we got anything else on Gonzaga before we move on? Someone else? No, no man. All right, that was actually a really good start. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so Baylor. We'll go with Baylor next. We'll get Michigan third. I'm going to call Baylor the second best team in the country. I'm going to take that right. Uh, they whipped up on uh, on on Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State tonight. Uh, so, Deshaun, I'm going to lead off with you. Why does Baylor suck? Um, honestly, I feel like if this makes sense, they're too perimeter dominant. Like they have no one that can get any easy baskets for them, in, like in the post, in the interior. So, I looked at the stats watching. I watched them play West Virginia, which I mean, they won the game with their guards, straight line drives to the basket, talented guards, but. They don't have anybody that they can give their guards a, a, a hint, like a small bit of like, all right, we don't need to just put everything on your shoulders. Like every day John's good, rebounding defensively, um, vital good defensively, and it helps them be versatile defensively. 
but to be able to just pass the ball and not have to depend on your guards to like make tough shots and mid range shots and uh, contested threes. And, Cause they, we, we know what they're going to do. We know what flag is going to do. We're gonna, we know what Jared Butler is going to do. I mean, they're talented enough to still do it, but it would make their team infinitely better if they had, you know, someone that can get the ball in the block and score the ball. Yeah, I just yeah, – uh, go, go ahead. Me, I was going to say, when's the last time a team went three weeks in February without winning a game and then win the national title? <laughs> it hasn't happened in a while, I'm sure. And Baylor had that. Can't overlook that sort of thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So my <laughs> my biggest thing was just the, the perimeter size, right? Like there are times where they run out of lineup where they have like – it's Flagler, Mitchell, Butler, and Vital, and then right. um, and, and then who am I? I'm missing on someone. Maybe it's Matthew Meyer out there. But... Another one. Yeah, I mean Either they just they, yeah they oh Macy O T yeah there you go. So there's yeah, times they're, like they're they have five guys on the floor that are like six foot five and shorter, and um, that can get exposed by by some bigger teams. Uh, go ahead, Snow. I cut you off. I didn't mean to. First of all, put respect on someone from Cincinnati's name like Macy O.T. Dawson. <laughs> yeah, it's my bad. It's my bad. He's, 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 please, he's beloved on the show. Trust me, Rob loves him. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I can't even forgot him. He's beloved. <laughs> I tried to get mid-major schools to recruit him out of high school. Didn't go well. Um, <laughs> but, you know, ba- with Baylor, like Deshaun said, the interior scoring, and then it's like the even the interior depth and like just – the like they're so physical. Are they going to get those fa- like in March when they tend to call it a little closer? Which, yeah. by the way, is one reason uh, some of these Big Ten teams. I'm a little lukewarm on compared to others. We'll get to that. But in March, they tend to call it more physical down low. And I'm not even going to pre- pretend to pronounce dude's name, Big John or whatever his name is. And uh, <laughs> vital like they just get into you and they just throw they their do. 250, 260 at you and dare the refs to call fouls. And I think in March, the refs are more apt to call those fouls. Yeah, I agree. Um, I texted you guys earlier, and I said I have a scorching hot Matthew Meyer take. You guys, Are you guys ready for it? Talk to me. No, because you have a love affair with him. Well, I mostly love the hair, but my take is that he's the guy that is most likely to have a Dante DiVincenzo-esque breakout in the NCAA tournament where he has one monster game for a team that makes a run to the final four, the national title, the title, or whatever it is, has one or two great games in the tournament, and all of a sudden everyone falls in love with them, and he gets drafted like in the middle to the late first round when no one expected it. That's my take. I mean, it's not impossible. Size, skill in the perimeter. I mean, Shoot, we're like athletic. Yeah, I don't want to slap him in the face or be in a di- like be disrespectful, but it's like almost poor man uh, Wagner for their team. I mean, they have so many bodies anyway, so it wouldn't be that big a deal because God's going to be so focused on Jared Butler, so focused on Macy Oteague and, and the rest of those guys that he should be able to, if he's as talented as, you know, you think he is, he should be able to get off with those those guys around him. Yeah, I mean, it's I, just – go ahead, Snow. I, I think that's a little bit revisionist because DiVincenzo, like a lot of people – Mikhail Bridges was probably the best pro prospect on that team coming into March. But most people had DiVincenzo second. And then he was so good at the Final Four, he had no choice but to leave. Mm-hmm. But I think he had a little bit more juice this time of year than Matthew Meyer had. Okay. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, I think that he was on a team where um, there was a little bit more credit to go around, if that makes sense. Like I know that that Jalen Brunson was uh, 
was um, the national player of the year, and everyone loved Mikael Bridges. But it felt like that was a Villanova team that was very much like we don't want to – like no one's talking about us. We don't have our name out there. Remember, that was the the Trey Young year, right, when Trey Young was going bonkers. And that's Dude, all they would beat everybody by 110. Yeah. So uh, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. And, Mary, uh, and Mary's not really as talked about, especially when you just talk about Baylor in general. Like he's yeah. – I don't want to say afterthought because he's definitely talented, but – when they're talking about Baylor, it's the guards. They're always talking about the guards. Yeah, I mean, they got two, they got two guys that could end up being All-Americans. Um, they probably will end up being All-Americans this year. So I don't know. I just – I could absolutely see him um, going crazy, having like 25 in the Elite Eight, uh, having some a couple of big highlights in the Final Four, and then all of a sudden he ends up being a first-round pick. Six-nine guy, can jump a little bit, can shoot a little bit. Like just It seems like that's the kind of thing that teams – um, would be looking for. Before we move on, let me just tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time. Bet River Sportsbook is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. When you win at Bet River Sportsbook, they pay fast. And now it's even faster with Rush Pay instant approval for withdrawals. It's safe, it's secure, it's reliable, and with March Madness right around the corner, there's never been a better time to give BetRivers Sportsbook a try. Go to BetRivers.com today or download the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you guys ready to get into Michigan? Let's do it. Do that. All right, Snow, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let you have the honors. Uh, I would say... To poke a hole in Michigan, they're guards. Um, even though they're good, they're really talented. Eli Brooks, Mike Smith, they're smaller guards. Mm-hmm. And you get, again, I don't want to keep going back to Baylor. They're only one team. But with more physical, longer guards, I do think that can give them some problems. I think that's definitely their Achilles heel. And then the second part is when they throw out a stinker, I mean, it's epic. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just bad. And I don't know how you get to that point. I'm not smart enough, but it's like, Damn, when they are bad, they are really bad. Yeah, so my I have, I have two concerns with them. Uh, the the biggest one is like you said, the guard play. Uh, Mike Smith is is fine, and he's been effective for the most part this season. But him and Eli Brooks are just you, you know you compare him to the backcourts at Baylor, and you compare him to the perimeter at Gonzaga, and it's just really uh, you know it's not even a conversation. Um, in terms of, of those two things. Uh, the other part of it is I'm a little bit worried about Hunter Dickinson when it comes to uh, the modern way to play basketball. Like having him match up with Drew Timmy uh, is going to be difficult for him to fit uh, defensively. And I think that the same thing with Baylor when they kind of spread the floor and give those five outlooks and, and a lot of the uh, the ball screen and spread ball screen stuff that they do, I think that Hunter could end up having a little bit of trouble. And, and I also think that Illinois kind of provided a little bit of a blueprint for what you got to do against them. Um, they played like real heavy drop and just did not leave any wings and just kind of said, okay, Mike Smith, you want to make a play? Go ahead and go, go make a play. Let's see you beat us. And he couldn't do it. And they didn't really have an answer um, after that. And it just became a thing where it was like isolation after isolation after isolation. And that's just not how they're built to, to, to win. You know, I feel like they're very much a team that they have to get their offense out of their sets, if that makes sense. So, um, if you can kind of take away their sets and take them out of what they want to run, you can beat them. And I think we saw that against Illinois Day. Where are you at with Michigan? Um, I don't know. I feel like for with the the advantage, the excuse me, the advantage you brought up with teams being able to go smaller against them, I feel like Michigan. That is true. They have a disadvantage when they have 
you know, when they have him out there. But also he has an advantage as well, being that big offensively. It doesn't matter if the guys are his size or smaller. He like really takes advantage of his size and he he imposes his will. So I don't really I'm not really worried about Dickinson in that sense. What I am worried about, we talked we talked about the guards already, which don't wow me. I mean, I told you before, I, I said it like Dickinson, um, who was the livers and Wagner get their normal stats. Then all of that uh, Smith and uh, Brooks have to do is like get around 20 points and they got a chance to win the game. But their bench, like their bench probably gets like 14 points a game. Like it's uh, like they don't, Shawnee Brown can do a little bit better offensively. Davis, like their bench doesn't really give them anything. And if they have games where, you know, they're having issues, uh, whether Hunter Dickinson's in foul trouble or, Wagner's not really knocking shots down and they need points from those guards and they're not getting them and they go to the bench and they turn to the bench and they're getting four. Like it, it's not, that's not going to cut it for them to win a national championship. Not to mention we see on the show all the time. It is rare that you see a team win a national championship without like good or elite point guards. And mm-hmm. in comparison to other teams, that's Smith is, he's a hard worker. So I'm not worried about like, you know, Hunter Dickinson in a, in a, in a ball screen coverage drop because those guys are going to work their tails off to try to protect them but and get back into the get back in front of their man but when it comes to uh comparing guards to guards and being able to like stop these elite guards i can't see that being the case for them yeah i mean that that's the biggest thing i will give juan howard and his staff a lot of credit they've done a lot of drop with uh hunter dickinson as well defensively and they've really found a way to make it work now the big 10 doesn't have a lot of dynamic point guards which does make that a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. But they've done a great job of, I don't know if hiding's the right term, but mitigating some of the problems that, say, a Purdue had a few years ago with Isaac Haas or Biggie Swanigan or something like that with ball screens in the middle of the court. Um, So Jawan and his staff do do deserve credit there. But, yeah, the guard play, it, it does concern me, especially with big physical athletic guards, which you don't see a lot of in the Big Ten. That's what makes Io such a unicorn in that league. Yeah, and it's actually pretty interesting, and we can um, parlay this directly into a conversation about uh, about Illinois. But I thought it was interesting that the the game where Illinois beat the brakes off of Michigan was without the guy that like really felt like he could exploit that drop coverage and ball screens, and and you know that's what Illinois wants. Like they're they're running those sets so they can get Io running off a ball screen and getting downhill to his right hand. That's what they want to do. And I felt like that's where like they could take advantage of Michigan, and he wasn't even there, and they kicked Michigan's ass. So that's the perfect segue, Snow. Why does Illinois suck? Um, they just up until really the Michigan game, I felt something was missing with them. I they for whatever reason it was like, okay, this team's really good, but they haven't played an A game all year. Are they going to be able to keep that switch flipped? And that's hard to do this time of year. I think they're a legit national title contender, but man, there was about 20, 25 games in there where you just were wanting a little bit more. And then Kofi, can Kofi stay out of foul trouble? Because it totally changes when they go to Georgie Bahanashvili because then teams are switching them a little bit more Mm -hmm. and Georgie can't punish them on that. And that takes away a lot of what Brad likes to do offensively with, with Io and Trent Frazier and those guys. And then, do, do we, even though his numbers are good, do we trust DeMonte Williams to make shots in March? 
You would hope so, but I don't think that you really can. Um, yeah. At least not entirely. What's he shooting on the year? He's uh, twenty-eight for Phil. He's shooting twenty-eight for fifty-two. Um, I did yeah, not this year he's been great. Yes. Career numbers. Yeah. Day, how you feel? Um, I talked about it a little bit about Illinois being great in transition, and like we talked about before, where teams early on when they were having trouble kept Iowa from going right, sent him left, and they got back in transition defense, and it kind of jammed Illinois up from, you know, getting the rest of the team involved. Iowa still got his numbers, and even Kofi will still get his numbers, but the rest of those guys went through their numbers. I feel like Iowa is great in transition. He he finds his teammates better. He's a little bit more uh, aggressive in transition. But when those teams started, you know, sending him left and not letting him go downhill right hand and – it kind of affected him a little bit in the half-court basketball sense. Can Kofi make free throws and stay out of foul trouble like like Brian's brought up? I don't know. That's another thing that hurts them. Which which was interesting was watching them with Iowa, obviously, and then we all talked about Curbelo being able – like, can he be mature enough to not do, go OC and do too much, you know, make crazy passes, over-dribble, things like that. So we see him do that while Iowa's there, and then when Iowa's gone, the team looks good. So now my question is, like, how does that fit when he comes back? Because he will be back. And are we going to get the same Illinois where, you know, if the team sticks to the sky report and keeps him from going downhill right, are they back in their same stagnant half-court offense where they don't get as much as they get out of everybody? Is everybody just standing still? Or are we going to get the guys we saw beat well, win the next three games and blow Michigan out of the water. Like, I just, I just wonder what it looks like as a whole because we see what it looks like in this small piece right now, and we saw what it was looking like. It, I mean, Michigan State was going to win that game either way to me with Iowa there. So I don't. I want to ask you something because I was a terrible player. Rob was just a bad one. You were actually good when you. <laughs> When you lose like a good player or your best player, and then you try to bring them back into the mix, you know, even a few weeks later, how long does it take for everybody else on the court who, you know, went from Robin to Batman to go back down to the Robin role? It depends on the maturity of the team. Um, I've seen it numerous ways where guys are cool to get back. Almost, you would say the back seat. They would be fine to take the back seat and get back into the groove of how things were. And then some people are like, they refuse to. <laughs> they're going to refuse to like they. We, I showed you what I can do, and they want to continue. So it just really depends on the team. I feel like these guys would be. It would be immature to be uh, be ignorant and not. You know, this is the player of the year, basically. <laughs> like, you got to – the player of the year is coming back. You're going to get the player of the year back. Now, how well they play, can they be mature enough to say, all right, well, I'm not starting anymore. I'm not – I don't have the ball in my hands completely like I did before, but I can go out there and still be just as effective. That's that's more of a maturity thing and a focus thing. So, I think – I honestly think the way the team looks, they seem like they're a very tight-niche team. So – and they play well together. I don't see – I haven't seen a – you know, a – Texas moment where these guys are at each other's necks on live television, anything like that. They seem like a pretty good team. Io, can, it seems like he's really tight with all these guys. They can hug it up when things are tough. They can talk to each other, be angry with each other, angry with the coach, and then still be fine to go out there and win games, lose games. They, they do it together. 
So I don't really think it'll be too difficult for Illinois to come back and string it on, string it together. And not to mention, Iowa's sitting there watching this, cheering it on. So he sees what they're doing. So I don't expect him to come in and go, my show. Like I feel like he it, he can let that come to himself naturally. He can let that that part of the game come to him naturally. Yeah, and it does kind of it, it does kind of feel like one thing that Iowa's done throughout the year is um, wait a little bit before he goes into takeover mode, right? Like it feels wow. like he has slow first halves and then huge second halves down the stretch. So I, I think to your point, Day, that that makes sense. Um, there's two two other things I just want to mention real quick, and then we can move on. Uh, Kofi moving his feet on the perimeter, never a comfortable thing. Uh, Kofi making foul shots, I think, is a major concern considering how often he's going to be getting to the line. Um, and then again, it's just uh, I've made this point a bunch, but like they have small guards, right? Like their their best five is probably two five foot eleven guards uh, with Adam Miller or Demonte Williams, and then I would assume at essentially the four, which is a very small team. So um, that's something that just concerns me as well. But I, I think all of that stuff is uh, can be mitigated, but it's definitely red flags and, and things that I think can be exploited by uh, certain teams in certain matchups. But let's. Move on. What do we got next? We have uh, we have Iowa, Iowa next. Um, Day, I'm going to let you uh, lead the way on Iowa. Why does Iowa suck? All right, <laughs> tough to say a team sucks with the player of the year on a uh, player of the year candidate on the team, but we all know defensively from top to bottom, it just needs an absolute makeover. I kind of feel like um, if if McCaffrey could take a page out of John Beeline's book and just like hire a, an assistant that just can take over the reins defensively, that would probably be a good thing for the future. They can't keep people in front of them, regardless of the team has good guards or not. Um, they are heavily dependent, which you should be on a player like, like Luka Garza, but they're heavily dependent on him. Like if he doesn't get going, they don't win regardless of what they shoot, like they don't win games if he doesn't really get going. And I just, if you run them off the three-point line, they tend to, they not they don't get anything out of these, the, these uh, attacks at a basket or one dribble pull-ups too. Like they, they live and die by the three. And if, if that's all you can offer as a whole, I just don't have faith in it. I just think that you're bound to, regardless of who the team is, it can be, they could play against the Grand Canyon. It doesn't matter who it is. Like they're going to lose the game if that's their biggest reliant. You know, if they I, who who do who do they play? Michigan. Michigan ran them off the three point line and said, "I dare you to drop to the basket." Hunter Nickerson isn't like Matumbo. Like you can still get a shot up, and they've refused to get in the paint. We're talking one dribble, pick up, pass it back out. One dribble, pull up threes, contested. They just refused to go to the basket. And if they did, they just lost this stuff up. It wasn't even strong shots. So I just – I wonder about the interior scoring, if it's not Luka Garza. And it, I just – I honestly feel like it's a tough thing. It's a thing I feel like teams can out-physical them, and they'll lay down. For, for me, and this is kind of going to sound weird considering they have a national player of the year contender, two-point game, three-point game, late late in the game – do they have someone who they can just throw it to and say, get me a bucket? I don't know that they do. And there's going to be so many of those situations in March where it's like, you need a dude to make a dude play. And Luca, Luca's a dude, but he gets it through the scope of the offense. Yeah. 
but you you need like a dude to make a play for you. I don't think they have that. And then Jordan Bohannon, he can go hero ball at the end. Let's call it what it is. He can go hero ball at the end. C.J. Frederick, now they're a much different team with C.J. Frederick on the court than off the court, but C.J. is always the guy who's going to make the right play. He's going to ball reversal, take the open shot. He's not really in there to create and get in the paint and and make a play. Wieskamp has that a little bit to him, but still it's not totally what he does. I just don't know if they have someone when you need a bucket and you don't have a timeout or something like that, that you've got a guy that you can really go to in that scenario because there's ways to take – uh, Garza away within the scope of a defense in a situation like that. Uh, that's then that's exactly my concern is what happens if you're able to take Garza away, whether it's because you have someone like a Hunter Dickinson that can guard him one-on-one or because you uh, you're very well drilled on like doubling on a catch and being able to get into your rotations and, and catch up to the shooters. Cause they don't have guys that are going to just beat you off the bounce. Right, like their offense is basically we're either going to get somebody running off a screen, or we're going to force someone to double Luca, and then it's kick, swing, swing, bang, open three, you're dead. So um, I, I think it's yeah, I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head there. And it's also like I, I'm not buying completely the fact that they've become a much better defensive team. I think with CJ Frederick and, and Day, I, you've heard me make this point um, over and over again. And Snow, I'm curious uh, what, what your thoughts on it are, but um, I think that with CJ Frederick the real help to them defensively is that it makes him a much more efficient offense because he doesn't turn the ball over and he's such a good shooter that it, it, they're that much more difficult to guard. And it means that they turn the ball over less and they have less missed shots because um, where they are really susceptible is in transition defense. I think that they're really, really bad getting back because they love crashing the glass. Luca's never going to beat anybody in a foot race down the floor. So I think that's where they're really susceptible and having <laughs> CJ out there just makes them that much better offensively. It sounds simple, but I, 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 it makes sense in my head, at least. Yeah. For the record, C.J. Frederick, another Cincinnati guy. We can just keep running him off. Um, I thought he was from Kentucky. He's not? No, he's, he's from – He's very he positive. Went to he's from Kentucky, but he's from Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, so, but C.J., uh, yeah, I, he does guard a little bit. He th- Like, you know, we talk about, like, replacement, wins above replacement in, in baseball – CJ defensively is not great, but he's above average. But when he comes out, who comes in to replace him is usually horrendous. So that does make a huge difference for them defensively is just his ability to be a functional defender, both within their system and and individually. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right, you guys got anything else on Iowa or can we move on? Move on. Uh, All right, next up. Uh, and Snow, I'm going to give this one to you because it feels like the, the best answer for you to start with, and that is Ohio State. Why does Ohio State suck? Uh, it, they start a dude who's 6'6 and a dude who's 6'7 down low. Now, the 6'6 dude, EJ Liddell's a bad man, but you can overwhelm them inside. And we talked about it, point guard play. I like C.J. Walker. He's my guy from Indianapolis. He's not dynamic. Um. They're the sum of their parts is or the whole is far greater than the sum of their parts. But man, like I don't think they're a top 10, top 15 talented team in the country. Mm-hmm. They've just played that they've played to that level, but I just don't know if they have the horses. Like at the end of the day, the best play in the history of basketball is to have better players play. And I'm not sure that they can run that one very often. <laughs> they don't have dudes to make dude plays. I mean, no. 
there's only so many mismatches they can take advantage of until they run into a team that's like uh, just infinitely talent, more talented than they are. Right. Like, you um, it all the time with, that, with Ohio State. It's just yeah. I mean, you you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head. They, they're really good shooting. I'm worried about them defensively. Uh, and also worry about teams where, um, where your uh, your your best players like Dwayne Washington, right? Like, do we really trust Dwayne Washington to be a guy where you give him the ball and say, okay, go make something happen, and get like go make a play for us? I mean, so, he, as, as he, can, he can be a special guy, but it's like he can make he can have a special moment here or there. We're talking about like doing it consistently, and it's like no, it's not the case. As Chris Holtman said, I love coaching him, but he's going to send me to an early grave. <laughs> he, did. he went on. Uh, he went on Goodman and Humble's podcast, and he said, uh, "He said before the game, like I, I tell him I love him. Um, during the game, we have some really, really hard conversations, and then after the game, I tell him I love him again. <laughs> Perfect relationship, man. That's the way it's supposed to be." <laughs> the, the funniest one was when he went to go double team. Uh, who was that against? Was that Michigan? When there was like 10 seconds left on the shot yeah, clock, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, were down, they were down by yeah. three, had to get a stop. And he goes and makes a random double team that no one is expecting. And then Michigan to lay up out of it. And you see him go to the sideline. And Chris Holmes just, just killed him. <laughs> killed him on the sideline. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you talking about man? You could read hands on that one. With the way the hands. I came after Justin Sewing's behind the back pass to nobody in particular. Yes. <laughs> Which created a, a layup of the other way. How many times do basketball bounce, by the way? <laughs> it's like three I've bounces. never seen that before where none, no one else on the court knew where the ball was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Um, you guys got anything else? Dave, you got anything on Ohio State? Nah, man. I, like I was saying before, man, I, I just don't see them. Uh, I, I love E.J. Uh, Liddell, but. Unless he's just gonna get six ten, six eleven to match up with him every time, so he can get to that mid range and just play, they're gonna have trouble even further down the line. So, yeah. All right. So uh, next up, I'm gonna go with Alabama. Um, and if you guys don't mind, can I take the lead on this one? These are my guys. These are my guys. I recruited yeah. these. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I recruited them. I told Nate Oates how to, to how to make everything happen. His idea to shoot nothing but threes and layups was mine. I'm taking the entire credit for this team and for this roster. Um, so my biggest concern with them is that this kind of like dribble drive motion offense that they run feels like it's been a little bit figured out, right? Like it was hard for people to kind of understand what they were doing during that stretch early in SEC play when they were able to kind of create these isolations and get out and, and get out and transition and get early offense um, and be able to get threes. But now that they have all of this film on them, um, it, it feels like teams kind of know what to expect and have figured out kind of how to beat them. Right. Like it, it, it makes sense to me that well-coached teams like someone like in Oklahoma or, or teams that are going to play like that kind of gapping style defense, like a uh, Missouri are, are going to be able to give them a little bit of trouble. Um, and the other problem I have with them is when you're, when your two best players are guys like Herbert Jones, who's kind of a non-score, and someone like a John Petty, who is as likely to go for 35 as he is to have like an 0 for 17 game, uh, to me that's just a little bit worrisome, right? Like their their highs are so high, but it feels like this is a team where um, their worst games can kind of blow up, and that's not something that that's a good thing in in March. Like I think that that Missouri game is the perfect encapsulation of what Alabama is as a team, right? Like they're horrible, 
horrible for 36 minutes. And then out of nowhere, they make up 22 points in the snap of a finger. And they probably should have won if Herb Jones got a foul call that he, uh, he deserved to get. So um, I love them. I love their ceiling. They're dangerous. I would not want to see them, but they are also a team that I think can, uh, they're kind of, I don't want to, I don't know if one trick pony is the right phrase to use here, but it does kind of feel like they are um, susceptible to a bad night more than anybody else. No. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of my thing is, they, you can see the valley coming at some point. I kind of look at them; they're not as good as Ohio State was the year they had Buford, Diebler, Sullinger, and all those guys, where their offense was just off the charts, and you knew they'd have one bad shooting game, and it was a matter of could they overcome it? Because at least Ohio State had Sullinger; Alabama doesn't have that. But you can see, like in March, they're going to have one game where they don't shoot it well, and you you hope it's the first round, honestly because you can still probably win that game. But if it's Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or what have you, like, oh, boy, that, that's where you go home early. And it's bound to happen. It's just a matter of when and how do you get through it. Dave, where, where are you at on Alabama? Um, initially, I, initially, we talked about Alabama, and we always talk about Jordan Brunner and how versatile he helps and makes the team. You know, having a uh, five men that can go out there and shoot the ball and, you know, they have Herbert Jones and they have Petty and they have all these pieces and they're that much more dangerous. Brunner gets hurt. He's out for a little bit. Now he comes back and he's like, I don't want to say spotty minutes, but they're they're giving him minutes to like make sure he doesn't like overuse his knees, I'm assuming. So he's getting like 15 minutes, 16 minutes in games. Now, Say that again? I would bet he can't practice. I know. Yeah, that, like, I'm assuming he's not practicing either. So you have that. Alex Reese isn't playing as much at all anymore. And so now they're splitting minutes with Herb, Herb Jones a little bit at the five. Like they're playing extreme small ball. And I just can't see them winning the, winning games like that. They also have, uh, what's his name, Rojas. He's playing a minutes as well. But he's not as a good – he's not as good a shooter as Brunner is. So – you know, you have him in there to mix it up and rebound and be physical, but then you don't have the spacing that you would normally – you have more spacing, but you don't have the exact spacing and you're not as dangerous. So with him playing these limited minutes and you're not getting this Alabama team that we saw early who was just tough from one through five where everyone can shoot and they're they're running and in transition and everyone's, everybody's almost doing everything exactly the same, you don't have that same team. And if it's not that same team, like – I. Kind of don't want it. <laughs> it's not the team I, I enjoy watching, and I, it's not a team I think will win, especially when they have their all-shooting nights. Because it's not like they rebounded that much better than anybody else in the country. I mean, they're they're okay. They're good for their conference, which is like an okay conference this year, but it's not this overwhelming number where they're just like, we'll figure it out. We'll do something else to to win the game. They're, they live and die by the three as well, in a sense. So – if they don't have that same full team, I, I kind of don't want to see them. <laughs> I wonder, do they have a plan B? Yeah, that's it. I mean, like, I you said, yeah, like, you knew. like you were like, yeah, they do. Like, I was like, what is it? <laughs> no, it's like they're they're That's what they do. They, they do their thing and they do their thing very, very well. But on the nights if they, the thing that they do does not work, then what, what do you do? Where do you go? I don't know. That's, that's my concern with them. So um, we got anything else? Looks good. All right, so uh, next up, Snow, we have your Houston Cougars. Why they, they, they are my Houston Cougars. They are your Houston um, Cougars. 
I, I think it's obvious. Can they punk teams outside the American Conference on the offensive glass? Because right in essence, you know, Kelvin's a great coach, Hall of Fame coach, whatever. But right now their offense is throw it up and go get it. And that they're so much better than everybody else in the American. It's not close. But can you play that way in March against teams with really good front courts and just treat them like children, like they've been doing to a lot of teams this year? And I don't know if you can do that. And they they don't shoot it well enough that they they can really you know bail themselves out on most nights. So if a team can keep them to a respectable number on the offensive glass, I don't think they can score enough to beat a top-level team. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. And, and it's a little bit concerning that you are a team that's built around getting to the offensive glass when you're also a team that's built around having like four guards that are really good on the floor. You know, they have – what is it? Uh, it's Quentin Grimes, the Sasser kid, Dejan Giroux. Um, who, what's the name of the freshman they got, Snow? Remind me. Um, uh, Mark. Oh, Mark. Uh, Tremont Mark. Yeah, Tremont Mark. So they have four really good guards, and they're a team that's built around going and getting offensive rebounds. Like that's that's the kind of thing that doesn't really make sense. Now, I do think that getting uh, Fabian White back should help. Um, just another big body up front is something that is going to matter. And I also think that it's worth noting that um, if it wasn't for – uh, who hit the shot? So they, they played Kentucky in the Sweet 16 in the 2019 tournament. And who hit, was it Tyler Hero that hit that jumper? Um, and then it was the Jordan Poole, like 35 footer. You know, yeah, they're, they're, the one. They're, they're two shots away from basically having two really, really impressive runs um, through the NCAA tournament. So I do think that there is something to say about that. But your point is right. Look at who they've beaten this year. They are. 23 on the season, and I'm looking at their schedule right now. And their best win is Texas Tech in the four days, on the fourth day of the season. And beyond that, they've beaten Boise State, who just lost at home to Fresno to take themselves off the bubble. They've beaten SMU twice, which whatever. They've beaten Wichita State, which whatever. They've lost to East Carolina, which a huge red flag. So I I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them. And they're – when you're really good defensively and you're really good on the offensive glass, I would expect you to have more than like a bunch of six foot five guys. And I think that's, to me, that's the the biggest red flag day. Where are you at? I mean, just like any other team that has a bunch of six foot five guys, depends on who you match up with. I mean, who, like if they match up with somebody that can be dominant in the interior, that's known for rebounding. I just don't foresee them. Like he said, like, like Ryan said, punking these guys on the glass. Now, if they're playing well on the perimeter and they got they take they take advantage of these mismatches, it's very possible. I mean, anything's possible, especially late in the year. But from what their non-conference schedule looks like and who they played and who they've beaten during the regular season, I don't, I don't know. I'm not too uh, bought in yet. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on in one second. I just got to let everybody know that I have a shirt on that says "We Save Balls." You can see right there. It's from. Uh, it's courtesy of, of Manscaped. And what Manscaped, our partners, are doing right now is they are running um, a, a little bit of a campaign called Take Care of Your Balls, and it's support for testicular cancer. And it's it's the, the whole goal is to just w- raise awareness um, for testicular cancer uh, in men ages 18 through 24. So I'm not going to sit here and give you the whole spiel about, like, why you should go buy the Manscaped cologne or why you need to go get the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Um, what I am going to tell you is that from March 8th to March 30th, any money that you spend 
uh, on man, at manscaped.com. One, you get 20% off if you use the promo code field. Um, and two, some of that money is going to go uh, to the Testicular Cancer Society to raise money for research and raise money for funding and do all that good stuff to help um, kind of help cure the disease of cancer and figure out a cure for it. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's basically all I'm going to say about it is, is anything that you spend on manscaped.com right now, a portion of the proceeds is going to go to the Testicular Cancer Society and you get 20% off plus free shipping if you use code FIELD. And trust me, guys, the man, the, the lawnmower 3.0, It'll make your lady or your man, the lady or the man in your life, uh, very, very happy if you kind of clean some stuff up. So that's all I got to say about that. We will move forward. Uh, Snow, I'm going to kick it to you now. That's a great thing for you to follow up. I don't know how you're going to be able to top that, uh, but we are going to go with let's go with let's go with Arkansas next. I'm curious your take on uh, on the fighting uh, Eric Musselman's the must bus, baby, the must bus. Why does the must bus suck? Uh, I mean. God, they're young. They're really young. They don't have dudes who have been there before in terms of Moses Moody and and those, those freshmen. And, like, Justin Smith's kind of a little bit of a revelation for him. But offensively, you can kind of play free safety with, you know, his defender and kind of make Justin Smith beat you, and I don't feel good about that if I'm Arkansas. They're playing really well right now, but I just don't see the guys on their team – being able to like match up with the truly elite teams. Like in the SEC, you have some good players and some good teams. I don't know outside of Alabama, there's anything bordering on an elite team, except for your beloved Tennessee volunteers, Rob. <laughs> but but I, I just think they're kind of, you know, beating up on some teams that are okay, but not great. And you start getting into those top level teams. I don't like any matchup they have against them. Mm-hmm. Here's here's my question with Arkansas. All right. There's 12 seconds left. You're down by two. You're Eric Musselman. Who are you calling a play for in that spot? Where's the ball going? Who do you trust to be the guy to go get a bucket for you? Handler. Connor Bay over isolations. Lob it down. <laughs> May, pray he makes a layup because <laughs> I don't trust any of those dudes on the team. God, it's no, and it's no slap in the face. I just, I'm actually just not too bought in on the team. Kind of like Brian said, it's just all right. They're they, they're young. They're small. They play small. Mind you, they have a seven for three guy and it's full, the court, but they play small and everybody and every position else on the court. Like they're at six six and six three and six one and six one. So. They're very small and they play with a lot of energy, but then that energy leads to them like fouling teams. Like they, they lead games and having like having the most fouls in the, uh, against the other team, send teams to the free throw line, stupid fouls, turnovers. They're like Kentucky, except they can make threes from time to time. And like at the end of the day, I can't, I just don't really have too much faith in these teams. And he, they, and he brought up a great point. They beat they the the numbers are kind of skewed. Like they beat up on the lower teams. I'm really not big on SEC this year at all, personally. And they beat up on a lot of these lower teams in the SEC, the South Carolinas, and not to kill on South Carolina, but there's not many elite teams in the SEC. And they snuck one. They snuck one against Missouri. They beat Alabama, yes, and they've won a couple recently. But I, I still. I still like they, they still get out rebounded. They don't take care of the ball well. They're young. They haven't had anybody that's been, like been there. And 
I mean, I just I can't foresee them doing too well later on. Like they're they're doing great. I kind of feel like they're overachieving. Look at Deshaun just cut crushing Frank. Hugs is going to get after him for that. <laughs> yeah, one. I'll probably hear about it later, but uh, Frank knows I love him personally. I'm yeah, sure uh, he he's ha- he's having his days over there as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next up, we have Deshaun. I'm putting you on the spot. West Virginia Mountaineers. Why does West Virginia suck? Hmm. First of all, my team will never suck. I'm going to say that for my West Virginia people. That <laughs> I'm not going to let Rob turn me against y'all. That's first and foremost. But why – there's things we need to do to be a successful team, and these are the things we're not doing at the moment. And it goes with consistency as a team and an individual consistency. So as a team, we need – we have to know – all right, we started the year – known as a defensive team that's going to rebound. Me and Rob talked about this a hundred times. What do you expect from us, Rob? You're going to shoot the ball, you're going to miss it, you're going to offensive rebound it, you're going to offensive rebound it and dunk the ball down people's throats and score the ball, whatever the case may be. But you, your best shot is a missed shot. And ugly basketball is what I expected. The worst basketball in the country. It's going to be ugly ball. We lose Oscar Shibway because he wants to transfer. And then we went from a team that was really predicated – on defense and having a hard time scoring to a team that can score that refuses to guard. So like just having a middle ground and having some consistency on both ends of the court, I feel would help the Mountaineers out a ton. You can't actually shoot the ball from the perimeter. Well, and also defend there's other teams that do it as well. So those are things that, I feel my Mountaineers can really do, and that's just team like that's team consistency, and an individual consistency where we have Deuce McBride and you have Derek Culver, who are the guys. They're the go-to guys. They're the tandem. Those are the guys that you trust to get the points in our team. We need the other guys on the team to be consistent as well. And we all, and I'm not taking the same. I'm not taking that responsibility away from Derek Culver and Deuce McBride. They need to be consistent because if they don't do well, we don't win games as well. We can't depend on just the role players to go out there and do what they need to do. And we can't depend on just Deuce McBride and Derek Culver to do what they need to do. It needs to be Derek Culver so we can have that inside-outside. We need Deuce McBride to do what he normally does. And we need Sean McNeil and Taz Sherman to be consistent shooters from the perimeter. And early in the year, Taz Sherman wasn't consistent. Sean McNeil was great. Then midway through the season, Sean McNeil wasn't shooting well. And then Taz was shooting great. Now we're getting to a point where they're both playing well at the same time. And, you know, Deuce McBride is playing okay. And Culver has been a little up and down. So we're not getting our best basketball. And even then we're still finding ways to sneak games out and win games and keep games close. But individual consistency and our defense are our issues. I mean, Baylor just drove the ball down our throat the last two minutes of regulation to get to OT two bonehead plays to finish the, uh, to finish uh, regulation and then still had the opportunity to win the game and defense came – defense was the reason the game was won. So, My, my two things with West Virginia are when Osa Boyden is on the floor, he is a zero offensively. And I think some teams are going to really be able to take advantage of that as good as he is defensively and rebounding and everything else. When you got a guy who can literally go for zero in a game out there, that's a problem. The other thing is my Cincinnati guy, Deuce McBride. His father was my uh, 
in-school suspension teacher in high school. Shouts to Walt. Um, I don't know if he's a point guard. And when he gets sped up a little bit, you never quite know what's going to happen. And in March, you want to know what's going to happen. So I think Deuce has to really show that he can control control a game in the way that Hugs wants him to. Now, Hugs is going to give him some freedom, obviously. But, like, can he run a team and, and get a team in the right spots when the other team's on a run? Like, that would be my – and I've been seeing that a little bit more and more recently, I think, with Deuce. So that's kind of a concern for me is he's starting to play a little bit faster than I think his game is designed to be played. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you guys said. It's just for me, it's the it's it's the getting stops. You know, at the end of the day, um, there have been too many games where we've seen just the final possession. West Virginia couldn't keep a guy in front. Um, they couldn't keep Jared Butler from getting the rim. They couldn't keep uh, who was it? Was it? Um, um, it was uh, Mac McClung. Yeah. Macy, Macy T, Mac McClung from time to time. Yeah, it's like whatever. No, it was the Oklahoma game. It was Austin Reeves. Sorry, it was Austin Reeves. Reeves, 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 Reeves. Reeves. Get into the rim. Um, yeah. It was in the Florida game. They couldn't stop guys from penetrating. Like to me, that's the big thing: is you got to be able to keep guys out of the lane. And I, it, sh- it feels like they should have guys that are better defensively. Like I feel like Miles McBride should be better. Um, so I mean, just got to keep people in front. So yeah. that's that's kind of kind of what it is for me on West Virginia. All right, we got two more that we're we're gonna call it a night. Before we leave, I can't let Gabe Osaboyan off with a Gabe slander. Gabe is an amazing player. <laughs> he has amazing He's a great passer and an amazing defender. Had to get that out there. I know my Mountaineers are probably somewhere around there. Can't I can't let you sneak out of there with uh with Gabe Slender, Mr. Snow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh two more. We got two more left and we're gonna get out of here. I'm gonna start with Kansas. Um Snow, I'm gonna let you lead it off on this one. Um the Jayhawks, they they barely beat UTEP tonight. They came back and won. Uh, that definitely felt like a game where they did not want to play at all, and they were kind of forced to play. So, um, why did the Jayhawks? Uh, why did the Jayhawks suck, Mister Snow? They're just not super. They're just not talented relative to the other teams we've talked to. Like they just don't have that level of talent. Uh, and you know, David McCormick. I mean, I mean, what is Goodman like building a shrine to him in his house right now or something? But. <laughs> but I mean, he's like a good player, but Bill Self's a hell of a coach, but they're just not super talented right now. And they, they've overachieved. They've done a great job, but, you know, they didn't play the regular Baylor. And I think people are probably trying to take that further than what it needs to be, where they beat them. You don't take it away from them, but they didn't beat Baylor playing like Baylor. And until they just become a more talented team, I I just can't put them as a national title contender. I, I'm I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I've been saying all year, I don't think that they have a go to guy, right? Who do you give the ball to uh, on a possession when you need a bucket? And I do think that Dave McCormick, to a point, has kind of become that guy, but it's in the form of okay, we're going to run this set to get McCormick this duck in, and he's going to turn around and go right up through somebody and go to the rim and lay it in. And when they can do that, they're effective because when McCormick decides, I'm going to catch the ball, I'm going to be seven feet, I'm going to be 250 pounds, and I'm going to go just power through this guy, he can do that pretty well. Uh, the problem is that's something that's fairly easy to take away if you scheme it right, if you have some size. And once that's gone, like 
what are you what are you getting offensively? Are you really going to trust Marcus Garrett to take game over? I don't think that's his, that that's what he does best. Um, they don't really have a point guard beyond that. Oshai Baji is not that guy. Um, Christian Brown is good, but like he's great as like a fourth option for you. So um, they just you, you know what they don't have Snow. They don't have dudes that make dude plays. That's what they're missing. Got to have them. Got to have them. Deshaun, where are you at? Why, why does Kansas suck? Can't argue with you on any of those things you guys said. We've been saying it all year. Um, there was a point in time where, you know, my friend Rob there was expecting uh, Jalen Wilson to be the guy. I was. And then there was a time where I thought, you know what? Jalen Wilson doesn't just have to be the guy. Jalen Wilson – Christian Brown, Brown, excuse me, Brown, and um, and and uh, Abaji can be the guy together. They can all take on this offensive, this offensive, uh, the scoring weight. While you know Marcus Garrett gets people involved, not really being a point guard, something that they really lack, but like just you know being somewhat of a facilitator. Because early on, I saw you know Marcus Garrett wasn't going to be able to to take on the reins of scoring. So I just thought maybe those three can like hold it down together until you know McCormick can show up later. Not showing up like he's showing up now, but just just a little bit better than what uh, he was doing, what he was performing at the time. And as the year has gone on, I mean, those guys have shown that you know they're not, they can't be relied upon to be that consistent of score. So to to agree with you guys, yes, they do need a guy. I feel like they're missing a guy that can go out there and get a basket when the shot clock is going down on a game-to-game basis. David McCormick has been the unsung hero for them the last, like, what, two, three weeks. But, you know, at, the, at best, he's a number two and for their team. On his average games, like, he's the third option, if anything. Like, they still need a guy. And that's something they're totally missing. And they're overachieving. So I agree with you guys. Yeah, I think I think Joe sums it up best right here. Can you guys see that comment? <laughs> sums it up, Joe. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna, move on. We're, 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 we're gonna move on to the last team. Uh, we are not gonna talk about Villanova on this stream today. Um, I, we just didn't think it was fair after Colin Gillespie went down. Um, one, it's kind of obvious now what's going on with them. Two, it's kind of mean to make fun of Colin or, or, or talk about him like that after he just had his career uh, kind of blow up in his face. And three, um, nobody can really have any opinion on them after seeing one half of basketball with what they are without their All-American point guard. So the last thing we're going to talk about is Florida State. And if you gentlemen don't mind, I'm going to take this one uh, take this one first. And my biggest issue with this Florida State team is that the way that they are, the way that Leonard Hamilton build, builds teams is to be elite defensively and work from there. Uh, then you're going to be able to be um, create mismatches offensively, get to the offensive glass, have different guys that can make shots, this, that, and the third, whatever. But it all kind of starts with having great individual defenders. And I think that their scheme is good enough to mess with people. It's just it's complicated to play against. I mean, Dave, we've talked about this plenty. Um, but they don't have that same level of elite individual defenders that they have in the past. And I think that is kind of – what their Achilles heel is like their, their, their entire defensive model is we're going to make it so that you have to beat us one-on-one. We're going to make it so you can't run your offense. You have to beat us one-on-one to score. And I think they have too many guys that are capable of being beaten uh, one-on-one to be able to play that right. Uh, but I will say this, Raekwon Gray, 
probably my favorite player in the country. How can you not love a dude that is built like an offensive tackle that is out here running the point? Snow, I know you love guys like that. As everyone knows, if you're a fat guy who can play, I'm all for you. Exactly. So, you know, <laughs> um, I just think they're kind of like the the step below Florida State that we've seen the past few years. They can play defense, but not like they did. They can make shots, but not like they did. They have depth, but not like they did. It's it's just kind of that that step below. Like they can bother you, but I swear last year at times it was like you're not getting the ball across half court. I, I don't see that same ability this year in terms of just being able to take a team completely out of everything they do. So they they're built like Florida State. They look like Florida State, but they're not quite as good as the last two Florida State teams. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. 100%. Day, where are you at? You agree? Uh, just I feel like they're a team of great, like, team defenders. Like you said, it's just not – there's no one that is – that stands out that's going to just absolutely, like, didn't, like stop people from doing anything. So just being uh, – I want to say average because I don't want to use average, but you also said a step below. It's just like they don't wow you at every turn. So it's just they're solid enough to – and then they have a great coach and they're solid enough to like, you know, beat teams, but it's nothing that just wows me about Florida state. Yeah. And let's All right. be honest, CC, it's not setting the world on fire this year either. Yeah. That's very, very true. CC is by far not my favorite conference. This year. <laughs> I hate network. I hate, <laughs> I can't watch any of the games. Everything's like scratchy. It's like not my favorite thing. Look, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Not having the ACC network is the this year is the it's biggest blessing you ever received. Yeah, honestly. Basketball fan. <laughs> you don't want to watch Virginia. Virginia be the big wins for these guys in the conference. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's glad awesome. I'm missing these games. All right, so <laughs> the last thing, last thing we're going to do to wrap up here is we're each going to pick a team um, that's a little bit off the radar. I, I don't. I can't remember if I actually gave us a, a, a defined um, – uh, way to determine what off the radar is, but I, I just feel like a little bit off the radar that we think can make a run to the final four. Um, I'm not going to say UConn because that's too obvious of a pick and that's too on brand for me. And I feel like too much of a homer if I'm saying it. So I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Purdue and I'm not sure are, are, where are they ranked right now? They're ranked like 25th or something. 25th, like that. I yeah. I, I, I'm going to go with Purdue because I think that Matt Painter teams always get better as the season goes along. Uh, the, one of the coaching cliches uh, that I love is that by tournament time, freshmen become sophomores, which is a very good thing for Matt Painter because he has a really good freshman class coming in uh, in his program right now. Um, I think they've kind of figured out how to use these like big guys that they have. Uh, Zach Eady, that freshman, like somehow he always has a seven foot four dude. Like I don't know where they find him, but Leonard Hamilton and Matt Painter always have some dude. That's seven foot four that I've never heard of before that just kind of pops up and is, is ends up being really, really good. So um, I think Jaden Ivey's kind of coming into his own a little bit. Uh, I love the uh, the Hunter kid that they have at the point. I just think the the, like the leadership, the intangibles, the defense he provides is um, really impressive. So uh, despite the fact that Sasha Stefanovic has the worst hair in all of college basketball, I'm, I'm going with Purdue uh, in this spot. Snow, who do you like? I personally thought you were either going to go with uh, Auburn or Pittsburgh, so I'm, so I'm surprised you didn't go there, Rob. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> to just to let you in on the joke is, um, I was I said 
I, I said something about Auburn like being a threat to make the Final Four if they were allowed to be there. And I said something some, something about Pitt and something about Tennessee. And uh, for the last three months, I swear, every single time that these teams play, there will be a text from Snow in one of our group chats that'll be like, hey, check it out. It's Rob's uh, Final Four favorite. is out here losing again. It's been relentless hearing that from them. So, um, yes, that that's – You get it from all sides, Rob. Everybody's acting – I get crushed, dude. I get crushed. You have God. three bad takes. Three bad takes. Three, that's all it takes is three bad takes. And, and a just, year worth. Yeah. Yeah. Three bad takes is a year worth of words. Yeah. And, right. uh, and, well, and I, Snow is not the kind of guy that will ever forget anything like that, too. So I'm probably going to be hearing about this for the next five years. Yeah, that makes the final. These guys, be, these guys will have families. He's going to be still talking about. It. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, I'm going to look like a fool for this one, but I'm actually going to go way off the radar and say Oregon, just because I think Dana Altman's a really good coach. Um, they've got some some guys stepping up. Duarte's really stepping up. They got enough so good bigs down low who can block shots and rebound and i think they're starting to play they're finally starting to come together after their covid issues and stuff and i think they're clearly the best team in the pac 12 so i'm going to say oregon just you know they're they're experienced enough they have enough talent uh will richardson's getting healthier um things like that so i'll look to oregon as a team kind of way off the radar that i do think could surprise and make a run uh, yeah i love that call love that call day where are you at you're going to hate this one, but I don't care. I'm riding with my guys. I'm going with the team that just lost four out of the last five against the ranked teams. I'm going with Wisconsin. I feel that Wisconsin has taken some tough, tough losses. I watched my guy, Demetri Trice, put on one of the greatest performances I've seen a senior put on with two minutes left in the game and lose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going with Wisconsin, man. I feel like all those all those upperclassmen they have, you add uh, Davidson in that mix as well. Um, I feel like they'll have enough. Coach Guard will figure this out, I feel like, especially when they get to the, uh, the Big Ten Conference tournament. And there's a chance. I feel like they have a good chance after losing these games. They got a chance to beat Iowa coming up this next game. And you can take that that possible win and then run with it. I mean, it's always better to get these losses out of the way before you get to a uh, tournament time. Snow, I saw your face when he said it. I just want you to know that that Deshaun loves Wisconsin and Demetri Trice more than I love Tennessee, Auburn, no. and combined. Okay, he loves. I honestly think that he he kind of uh, secretly like he might have a grad degree from Wisconsin or something. That's how much yeah. he loves. I should I should go I should go I should yeah, go. You should at this point. Robbie's man. probably gonna kill me. Robbie Holmes gonna kill me for liking Wisconsin too. <laughs> you don't have to be worried about Robbie. Love Robbie. You know, this Wisconsin team in an odd way reminds me of Iowa a few years back with Mike Gazelle and Adam Woodbury and all those guys that were together forever. And it just seemed like at the end of the season they were like looking at each other, just like you're still around me, like. <laughs> <laughs> I just get that vibe from Wisconsin right now. I don't know why. That's actually a perfect comparison because you got Brad Davison, one team throwing the elbows. You got Adam Woodbury poking people in the eye on the other side. So, yeah, it's, I like that comparison. So that's a good one. Very on brand for you. <laughs> Great guys. All right. Listen, this has been fun. Uh, the Why Your Team Sucks podcast is literally my favorite podcast to record every single year. We've been What is this, five straight years we've done this now, Snow? Uh, did we do it last year? Yeah, we definitely did it last year. 
Okay, I, I can't remember when the world. I know I remember because um, we, we put it out, and then I made sure to like let Tess know afterwards because this is a little behind the scenes for, that people need to know. But I told my producer, I was like, "You need to try to sell ads for this pod because it, it always does better numbers than we've ever done for other pods." Uh, and it did better numbers, and she was like, "Well, yeah, yeah, I should have sold ad for it." So I tried to give us a, a sponsored "Why Your Team Sucks" podcast, and it I was also banned from the podcast for a whole year. <laughs> that was so, that was so funny. <laughs> oh man, this is more inside baseball. Yeah, but then, no, later, I was going to say, I don't want to, I don't want you to tell everybody what you did. No, I was he he went on some rant, like he said something about how. Um, I don't even remember what it was, but he said that our, our producer was like college education is, is like the piece of paper at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. did not appreciate that at all. I don't think many people would. That's just so our, our producer, our producer had a running feud with snow. And I think she was only like about 40% serious when it came to the feud, but there was a while when she was legit. Like, like, like no, that motherfucker is not coming on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's All right, guys. Well, listen, I appreciate everyone that hung out listening. Uh, people in the chat, um, I didn't shout out everyone that I probably should have. I, I kind of forgot that it was going on over there, but I appreciate you guys hanging out. Snow, day, it's always a pleasure, guys. Sounds good. <laughs>